Hello everyone, this is Julia, your Spanish journalist covering economic news from Brussels. We are close to the summer break, but here in the capital of Belgium, EU lawmakers are still working at full speed to get their work done before holidays. Several deals have been struck in the recent weeks within the EU institutions, and I didn't want you to miss the one that saw the light after 10 years of stalemate. I am talking about the Women on Boards Directive, a new law that will oblige European companies to have at least 40% of women on their boards. For me, there is no coincidence that this deal has been unblocked at this time. Indeed, Ursula von der Leyen, the first woman president of the European Commission, has been very vocal on gender equality. She even mentioned her personal experience in one of her speeches to commemorate the Women's Day. I want Europe to finally become a continent of equal opportunities for men and women. And I know we're not there yet. I know the playing field is not level yet. I know from experience that women have to work twice as hard to get the same salary, the same recognition, or the same leadership position as their male colleagues. Equality is enshrined in the European Treaty since 1957. It's been a long road and we will keep walking. We have to remove the obstacles on the path towards equality. We have to strive for equal opportunities. It is no rocket science. The necessary tools are well known and proven. We just have to implement them and do it. So as we heard, the Commission President already had in her mind a series of tools that the EU should implement to boost gender equality. The Women on Boards Directive is one of them. As I said earlier, this new European rule will place a legal obligation on companies to ensure that at least 40% of non-executive director seats are held by women, as well as 33% of all board seats. It has to be implemented by 2026. So let's have a look at the data. According to the Commission, 60% of current university graduates are women, so they are highly qualified, but actually they are underrepresented in senior positions. Now only a third of non-executive corporate board members are women, and even fewer are on executive boards. So the evidence is undeniable, and I wanted to understand how this new law could help revert this trend, and I went to the European Parliament to talk to MEP Evelyn Regna, who was in charge of the topic. She also chairs the Parliament's Committee on Women's Rights and Gender Equality. She told me that it is not only about numbers. She says it's also a question of power. Women are fantastically qualified. So there are all objective reasons in the world that the participation of women at the top position in executive, non-executive boards is guaranteed. So it's more about abolishing the existing men quota in uh, the leadership of uh, enterprises. Women are half of the population. So the best enterprises are those who reflect 
the consumer's interest, the shareholder's interest, the uh, interests of the employees. So somehow really to be robust and stable and therefore it's a no-go to go on with the existing structures as they exist. It's simply a question of power that they exist as they are. So these days I have been discussing the podcast episode with colleagues and friends and I often met the view that these rules involving quotas are causing female managers to rise to top positions only because of the legal obligation, not because of their talent or merit. I needed to find an expert to help me sort these things out, so I called Carlene Schäler, the director of the European Institute for Gender Equality, who is actually based in Lithuania. She was quite blunt when she told me that such arguments are cynical. Yeah, well, this this is of course an argument that's, uh, that you hear often from people who I think are a bit cynical about the topic. Um, and they might argue that, yeah, women will only reach those positions because of the legislation. But I think then they simply deny the fact that there are so many talented women in the European Union who, who are fully fit for such positions and such roles. And so far, they have simply been overlooked. And I sincerely believe that this groundbreaking directive that, that yeah, I mean, it has, has taken the member states 10 years to agree uh, upon this directive, but that it will make a change. And we know from our data collection that those member states who have quota, they have made much more progress in this field than, than those who, who have no quota and haven't done anything or have soft soft measures. So I think that our data prove without any discussion that uh, hard legislation, it helps. Sheila also referred me to some recent studies and reports that show that women's leadership also brings economic and social benefits. The experts explained to me that breaking the glass ceiling also drives economic growth and innovation. Well, first of all, having more women on company boards, it, it simply means that company boards would reflect the societies that they operate in. Um, in the European Union, we have roughly 50% men, 50% women, and it makes sense that also company boards reflect that, uh, that let's say, representation of women and men. Um, and we also know from, from research that diverse teams, that they um, are more innovative, they're more creative, and there's also an increased productivity. So it makes sense socially and economically to have more women on company boards. But numbers are on everything. The new directive also brings about changes through other legal requirements. It obliges listed companies to provide the competent authorities with information on the gender representation on their boards of directors once a year. If they do not meet the targets, they must explain how they intend to achieve them. In practice, this means more transparency, but also more information for public scrutiny. In our conversation, MEP Evelyn Regna was particularly proud of what she called the faming system. This is a system introduced by the legislation under which information about companies that meet the targets will be published for investors and journalists to verify. She said this system will prevent companies from cheating by pink washing. Somehow an enterprise shouldn't only do green washing, they also shouldn't do pink washing. So somehow uh, investors today look more carefully than in previous years 
is this really uh, an enterprise, a company that is really taking the best uh, heads? So therefore, we think this measure of uh, faming is also uh, uh, an excellent measure for, for, let me say, soft sanction. Although this data will not only allow stakeholders to know which ones are performing well, but will also provide authorities with the necessary information to adapt change and implement the right policies. And there is also another big achievement in this new European law, according to the two experts that I interviewed. The Women on Boards Directive envisages sanctions for companies that fail to comply with open and transparent appointment procedures. These penalties can take the form of fines, but also the possibility for companies to obtain a judicial annulment in case of irregularities in the selection of board directors. So we have just gone through some of the most important measures that the Women on Boards Directive will bring in order to achieve gender equality at the top of European companies. However, not everything is perfect. There are also some loopholes. For instance, the scope of the Women on Boards Directive only covers large listed companies with more than 250 employees. This actually means that small and medium-sized enterprises are exempted of these rules, and they actually represent about 99% of European companies. But have the EU countries really waited all this time to take action? Obviously not. Some of them, like France or the Nordics, had already introduced similar national rules. And that is actually why the directive also includes a sunset clause allowing countries that have already met the gender balance objectives to escape some of the transparency obligations. But if some of them had already introduced national measures, why has it taken so long to agree on a common EU rule? There are several reasons to this, according to what Austrian member of the European Parliament, Evelyn Rechner, told me. She fought against these obstacles as a co-rapporteur of the dossier. Several member countries uh, built a, a blocking minority because simply they don't want uh, enforcement measures for women, full stop. Second, those, uh, there are also member countries who were more or less the spokespersons of big enterprises who simply don't want rules at all. And the third reason why we had uh, problems were, unfortunately, member states, governments of member states, um, who introduced already at the national level quite efficient measures, for example, like the Nordic countries, like Sweden or uh, like the Netherlands and even Germany, but they don't, didn't want to uh, do that at European level. Indeed, countries like Germany or the Netherlands were opposed to this harmonization at the beginning. But according to the director of the European Institute for Gender Equality, data proved the blocking member states wrong. In our Zoom interview, Karlin Schiller said that progress was so slow that they had to do something. Starting from a similar level in October 2011, the proportion of women on company boards at that time was around 30%. And if we look at the member states that have legislation, that percentage rose to 36.4%, which is really a big achievement. The member states with soft measures, the percentage rose from 13 to 
0.3%. And the member states who have no actions, no legislation, nothing, no soft measures, the percentage only rose to 16.6%. So that's really very slow increase. And data don't lie. So I think in the end, when looking at the data that I uh, was gathering and that we also made available to the Commission and to the member states, in the end, I think they they concluded that, that we actually do need legislation. Now I would like to come back to what I mentioned at the beginning, the speech of Ursula von der Leyen on the occasion of the Women's Day. She said that there is a set of different tools to implement to achieve gender equality. And in fact, the directive on women on boards is only a small part of the European Commission's and legislators' gender equality strategy. During our discussion, Evelyn Rechner emphasized that gender balance can only be achieved if social habits, education and behavior are also changed. So it is not only about boardrooms. Female employees also face economic discrimination, with a gender pay gap that is still around 14% and has actually not evolved much in recent years. EU legislators are currently negotiating the Pay Transparency Directive. It will give employees access to clear and comprehensive information on individual and average pay levels, broken down by gender. MEP Rechner believes that this one will also mark a breakthrough. It's about changing the way we are doing the leadership in the companies. And insofar, so somehow it's, of course, raising the number, opening the door, doing a lot in order to inspire uh, other women, in order to be more diverse anywhere in leadership. It's not only about women, it's also about uh, all uh, the uh, The problems, for example, if you have, if you're a migrant woman or if you're handicapped women. So somehow to take the whole picture in order to become better. And therefore, the second uh, important piece of legislation is the one on the pay transparency, because we want from bottom uh, up and from top down uh, an improvement of the whole workplace situation and therefore also improving uh, the situation in the companies. The Pay Transparency Directive was presented by the European Commission in March 2021 as another political priority of the von der Leyen Commission. Negotiations are now ongoing, and time will tell if they face as many obstacles as Women on Board's Directive has done for a decade. If all these issues have been able to move forward, it is also, of course, because European citizens' mentalities on diversity, equality and inclusion are changing. So hopefully the pay transparency law won't take 10 years to see the light and I will be able to get back to you with it in another edition of our Voices from Brussels podcast. For now, I hope this episode has helped you all to understand what the Woman on Board Directive will mean from now. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Hasta pronto.